Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, Acts chapter number one, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter number one. So our church in October celebrates its anniversary. This year we were 186 years old. I, when I speak around the nation, I'll call us that little church plant in Rock Spring, Georgia, 186 years old. And uh, it's this time of year that I like to take at least one sermon, sometimes two. I'm doing two this year, the second one and tell you about why our church is the way it is. And so we have this mission statement we talk about, that we're going to be one church with one mission, reaching 1%, one person at a time. And last week I talked about what it meant to be one church. If you missed that sermon, you need to hear it. We have some uniqueness about our church where we have this statement that we're not going to agree on everything, and we know that, but we're going to agree on the main things. And so we want to talk about uh, last week I talked about what it meant to agree on the main things and what it meant to be one church. Uh, you find in the book of Acts, before the Spirit of God was poured out and great things were done, the Bible says they were all in the upper room in one accord, that they were one church, and we want to be that ourselves. And so what does that mean? So if you miss it, go back, listen to it. But what I want to do today is I want to break down these other three statements as part of this. And really today's an explanation more than it is a sermon if you're new to our church uh, next week will be more of a sermon than these last two have been. But I want to talk about this and preach on one mission. What does it mean to have one mission? Well, Acts chapter 1, you don't have to stand. I'm just going to read this one verse while you're there. And if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, you won't hear me talk bad about other churches. I'm just not that way. I'm not going to do that. But I did serve as a church consultant for the Southern Baptist Convention for about 10 years of my life. And I, I can't talk about American churches in general. The problem with American churches in general is that most churches are content to carry on no matter their ineffectiveness, their failure, or in their indifference, meaning this, that they're going to have church this morning, no matter how ineffective they are at it, no matter how indifferent they are about it, and no matter how much they may fail as a New Testament church, they're going to have church this morning, and the sad part is they're going to put a positive spin on their existence, even though they're accomplishing little to nothing for the kingdom of God. Let me, let, and there's a problem with that, and I'll tell you what it is. How many of you older folks remember this movie, Pollyanna? You remember that movie? You remember Pollyanna, if you don't know the movie, Pollyanna was an orphan girl that was sent to live with her Aunt Polly. And Aunt Polly was strict and rigid and, and kind of tough. Uh, and when thrown into that environment, Pollyanna keeps to, seeks to keep and spread her optimism to others. Now, there's nothing wrong with optimism. I, I'll use it in a sermon in a couple of weeks. I, I read it this week. Optimists live longer. You're better off having a positive outlook on life. But Pollyanna has an infectious outlook on life, 
And the movie kind of shows you that a sunny dis- disposition can turn anyone and anything around. Well, uh, psychologists took the movie Pollyanna and they developed a principle called the Pollyanna Principle. And it states this, that we all have a bias when we think about the past, that your brain processes information that is pleasing and agreeable in a more precise and exact manner as compared to unpleasant information, meaning this, we tend to remember past experiences as more rosy than they actually occurred. Researchers found that People tend to expose themselves to positive stimuli and avoid negative stimuli. And there's nothing wrong with that. We see it on Twitter. They did research on Twitter and found that most people tend to share positive, emotionally positive uh, uh, tweets than they did emotionally negative tweets. And that's all fine. And as a psychologist would tell you that the Pollyanna principle is a helpful tool in situations. It helps you cope with life's obstacles. Just keep a positive attitude and a positive outlook on life. It's called the Pollyanna principle. The Pollyanna principle is good. But there's another psychological term called the Pollyanna syndrome. Pollyanna syndrome, not good. Pollyanna principle, good. Pollyanna syndrome, not good. What's the difference? Pollyanna syndrome, they describe as a person who is excessively positive and blind towards the actual situation. They're excessively positive and blind toward the reality of the situation, meaning this, they're putting a positive spin on something that doesn't need or deserve a positive spin. Pollyanna principle, good. Pollyanna syndrome, bad, because in Pollyanna syndrome, you are ignoring reality. Now, let me apply that to church for just a moment, because that's what a church, a lot of churches find themselves, not Pollyanna principle, but Pollyanna syndrome. That is, no one's coming to faith in Christ. The baptism waters have run dry. There's no life changed by the gospel. No one growing in Christ. No youth in the church. No children in the church. No real purpose for the church. They are just checking Sundays off the list. And if the bills are paid, they are happy and talk about what a great church they have. Listen to me carefully. We refuse to have that mindset at Peavine Church. We are going to be in reality, we are going to assess reality. We're not here to check Sundays off the list. We're not here to say things are going great when they're not. We are here with a missional focus that was left to us by Jesus. We are here to get a job done. Why, preacher? Because time is short. Jesus is coming. The culture is winning. And God has called us to make a difference as a church the way Jesus meant for a church to make a difference. And hear me, we have to be missionally focused and we can't sit around and like we talked about last week, just worry about our preferences and try to get our preferences. So the way we flesh that out and describe it is that one church with one mission reaching 1%, one person at a time. I want to break those down. And just like I did last week, I just want to give you some descriptors that try to help you define what we mean. So first of all, let's talk about one mission. What is our mission at Peavine? We articulate it this way, reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel. Reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel. We have this all-encompassing mission, a mission we feel God called us to be obsessed about. Now hear me, 
You need to know this if you're new to our church. This is not something that was born in a committee. This is not something that came out of a retreat. This is something that God placed on my heart in December 2016 when God called me to be the pastor at Peavine. Now, it took me several years. I was voted on as pastor in December 2016. I started January 2017, and you didn't hear this from me in the beginning. Why? It took me several years to get it articulated. I knew what I was trying to say and couldn't say it. As a matter of fact, I worked with our pastors. We even worked with some experts, and I said, here's what I want to say. Let's figure out a cute way to say it. So we tried to figure out a cute way to say it, and that's just not me. I'm not I'm not, um, I'm not that good with words. I'm more pragmatic with words. I'm more practical and down to earth. And so I decided instead of trying to say it cute, let's just say it. What do we want to do? We want to reach every person in Peavine City with the gospel. Now hear me this morning. This is not something we pay lip service to. This is something that we constantly seek to drive our programming, drive our budget, drive our staffing, and drive every single decision we make here at Peavine. It's all driven around. Reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel. Well, let me flesh this out. Let me give you some descriptors. I'm going to give you seven or eight this morning. I forget how many, seven or eight, because I do ABC. I don't remember how many there are. Let me give you seven or eight this morning that describe what we mean by one mission. Here's what we mean, that we've said yes to the best thing. Yes to the best things. Did you know there is a lot that churches can focus on? And they do. Churches do all kinds of things. Churches do a lot of things. We could sit here and list ministry after ministry after ministry that churches do. But here's what we've decided at Peavine, that we are going to care what Jesus cared about. You say, preacher, how do we know for sure what Jesus cared about? Well, because he told us what he cares about. Can I show you what that is? Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said this. If, you're, if you were to look this up in your Bible, these words would be in red. Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, if you look up here at sacrifice, that applies to the righteous. You look at mercy, that applies to the sinners. Jesus said, if I had the choice between hanging out with the righteous or going out and getting the sinners, Jesus said, I'm going to go get the sinners. So he left the same mission for us, that we as a church, if we're going to emulate Jesus, we did not come to hang out with the righteous. We came to give mercy to the sinners. We came to introduce the sinners to the God of mercy. And so Jesus's mission was not just to call the righteous. Jesus's mission was to get the gospel to the sinners. And by the way, if that's Jesus's mission, that ought to be our mission as well. You say, preacher, you just got, that's just one verse. Fortunately, I have more in 30 minutes. So here we go. All right. I got more. Look what he said in Matthew chapter 18. Again, Jesus's words. What do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go and search for the stray? Go and search for the one. Here's what Jesus said. He was speaking specifically in a gospel evangelistic church context. Jesus was saying this to us, that if you have the choice between hanging out and fellowshipping with the 99 or going to find the one, always go and find the one. 
Now hear me, there is nothing wrong with fellowship with the 99. But when fellowshipping with the 99 takes precedent over finding the one, our mission has gone astray. Because our mission is not fellowship with the 99. Our mission is to go out in the highways and the hedges and to find the one who has gone astray. Can I tell you this? You know what heaven's for? Do you know what heaven's for all of eternity? All of eternity is for fellowshipping with the 99. Food, fun, and fellowship. That'll be the theme of heaven for all Baptists, right? Food, fun, and fellowship. We're going to hang out in heaven with the 99. Do you know we can do that with 99? If I want to, if I want to invite myself over to dinner at Paul's house, Apostle Paul, and stay a million years, I have that opportunity. Now, whether he wants me there for a million years, I don't know, but I can do it if I want to do it. You know why? Because heaven's for all of eternity. But do you know this? I only have this life to find those who are far from God. What did Jesus say do? Go and search for the strength. Job, job of the church is to go search for the one. I got more. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come for what? Seek and to save the lost. Why did the Son of Man come? He laid down the mission that he was doing. And by the way, if it's the mission of Jesus, it's the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church? To go out and seek and introduce them to a Savior, those who are lost. If that was the mission of Jesus, it is our mission as well. Our job is to go out and to seek those who are far from God and introduce them to a Savior who can save them. Then we read it read in Acts chapter 1 as well. Who will be my witnesses? What is our job in this world? It is for those to be my witnesses. I could go on and on and on, but here's what I want to tell you. We have said yes to the best thing. Why have we said yes to the best thing? Because we believe that Jesus' emphasis was on reaching those people far from God. And if that was his emphasis, that should be our emphasis. And why be urgent about it? I'll tell you why. Because hell is real and eternity is forever. And if we don't reach them with the gospel now, there's not another opportunity to reach people with the gospel. So we've said yes to the best thing. Secondly, it means we'll say no to some good things. When you say yes to the best, you have to say no to the rest. There are all kinds of ministries we could start that would do some good, but maybe not the main good. I'll tell you this, and I want you to hear everything I'm saying. I was a servant as a church consultant for the North American Mission Board, and I was at a church preaching on a Sunday morning, and they came to me and said, uh, Pastor, before you go preach, we're going to give out an award to some people in the church they said, we had a ministry in the church that we spent $20,000 on this year and 10,000 man hours. $20,000, 10,000 man hours, and we're going to give out an award to the leader of that ministry. I said, man, that is awesome. I love that. I said, tell me how many people came to faith in Christ. He kind of hung his head and he said, one. Now hear me. I'm, I'm going to finish this story, but, but let, me, let me tell you this. I'm thrilled one person got saved. Hear me. Every dollar you spend, if one person gets saved, is worth it. But I always have to ask myself, 
Could more people have been saved if we put that money and resources into something else? So I'm thrilled. I celebrate because I'm going to tell you, if that was my one, I'd be thrilled that we spent that money and that manpower on my one. I'm very happy about that. But you got to ask yourself, maybe you could have spent the same money and manpower and 10 got saved or 100 got saved. So I said, how many people came to faith in Christ? And they said one. He said, well, we're not sure it was the same little girl that got saved last year. Now hear me. If you gave me $20,000 and 10,000 man hours, I'm not saying this is the best use of the dollar. I'm just saying we could do this. We could just march up and down the uh, sidewalk, or not sidewalk, but the street, the road here, Peavine Road. We could just go house to house knocking on doors. And did you know with $20,000 and 10,000 man hours, I would have more than one girl who maybe got saved get saved. And what I'm trying to say to you is what they were doing was a good thing. It may not have been the best thing. And a lot of what people want to do at a church can be done by the civic club down the street. So we're going to say no to some very good ideas if they don't move the needle on the very best idea, which is bringing people to faith in Christ. Third thing it means is this, that we're going to keep things simple. Here's a statement you need to know. Complexity breeds confusion. Complexity tends to breed confusion. Meaning that if a church gets to doing too much, it scatters its resources in too few areas. And we have a saying for that in the South. You know what we say about in the South? We, we say this. He's a jack of all trades and master of none. Right? And that's not a compliment when somebody says that. If they mean it as a compliment, they'll say you're a renaissance man. But if they mean it as an insult, they say you're jack of all trades and master of none. And there's a lot of churches that are the same way. They aren't good at anything because they have too much going on to focus on the main thing. And hear me, we know there are a lot of things we could be doing and doing well at Peavine. But every time you add a layer, you bring a little bit of complexity. And complexity always breeds confusion. So we plan on keeping things simple so we can focus on the main thing, going out and seeking the save, seeking and saving those which were lost. Let me show you the fourth thing it means is this. That we'll keep looking out, not in. Out, not in. One of the hallmarks of Christianity is that people in this room, in all of our rooms, love one another. Right? Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciple if you have love one for another. It's how we prove to the world we are a disciple of Christ. But yet there is a balance to being a New Testament church in that we have to balance loving one another without taking our eyes off a lost and dying world. Loving one another without taking our eyes off a lost and dying world. Because when we take our eyes off the lost and we start figuring out ways to please one another, that becomes our focus. And by the way, when you focus on pleasing people, you never can please people. It's a, it's a paradox. The minute you try to please people in a Baptist church, you cannot please people in a Baptist church. I'll let the Methodists and Presbyterians speak for themselves, but I'll speak for us Baptists. And Jesus said, don't focus on yourself. Let me show you. John chapter 4, Jesus said this. Behold, I say to you, saying it to his disciples. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. They are already white for harvest. Now, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, we have got to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on others. Here's what that means. 
We cannot measure success by how many people we have coming to Peavine. We have to measure by how many people have yet to hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus saves. We'll have 1,600 people on our campus today. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Do you know what? You say, wow, that's a big church. Not when you look at the big task we have in front of us with all the thousands of people around us who are dying and going to hell under our doorstep. And Jesus said, Keep your eyes not inward about where Jesus didn't say, hey, when I go, I want you to hold hands around a campfire and somebody get a guitar and sing Kumbaya. No, Jesus said, keep your eyes out on the harvest. Love one another, yes, but keep your eyes out on the harvest. Fifth thing it means for us is this. We're not trying to fill a building, but we do need the reinforcements. We don't want you to get the impression that we don't need you. We absolutely need you. We're not focused on filling a building up because we're focused on, but but we are focused on each and every person having a part in the plan of God to help us reach Peavine City. That's why Pastor Jeremy is called our connections pastor. His job is to help you connect to how you can serve at at Peavine, which is how God intended for it to be. And we need every person using your giftedness and your calling and your talent and your treasure and your ability and your passion for the glory of God and the church of God and the kingdom of God. We have a God-sized vision and we need all the help we can get. Too many times people come to church our size. I, I, I say to me all the time. People come to church our size. Well, we just figured y'all had everything taken care of. Can I tell you this? We need workers far, far more than a small church needs workers. We'll we'll have 300 plus kids in our kids ministry this morning. It takes us 300 volunteers on a Sunday to run three services just on Sunday morning. We'll have seven, 800 people here on Wednesday nights. Hundreds of those are kids. Hundreds of those are students. And hundreds of those are adults. We need all that. Listen, we run. Denny knows this number better than me. He's our tech pastor. He's at Dalton this morning. But we've got venues. Look, we got tech needs all over the place. Dalton, Rossville, multiple in Dalton, multiple in Rossville. A half a dozen tech needs right here there's more than this one booth in this i'm just telling you we need it all if you can play spoons we need your help somehow if you can keep a kid without killing them we need your help i'm just telling you find a place to serve and serve sixth thing it means is this we will unapologetically preach the gospel and give an opportunity to respond so why do you have to say that, preacher? Because a couple years ago in Southern Baptist Life, there was an online petition going around. They were asking p- uh, pastors from coast to coast to sign an online petition that said this, I will preach the gospel on Sunday morning. I did not sign it. The reason I did not sign it is because I didn't need a posi- uh, petition to tell me to do what Jesus already told me to do. Because I was wondering, what have they been doing this whole time if they've not been preaching the gospel? My license into the ministry says a license into the gospel ministry. My ordination certificate says ordained into the gospel ministry. You're going to notice we talk about the gospel a lot. The life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You're going to hear us preach the gospel on Sunday mornings. You're going to hear us 
preach it to the adults, to the children, to the students, to the college kids, to the uh, uh, young adults, to the senior adults. We preach the gospel. Why? People are lost and on their way to hell and need Jesus. That's why. And being a church member doesn't save you, so I'll preach it to church members. And being a senior adult doesn't save you, so I'll preach it to senior adults as well. You, you go down to our youth ministry on Wednesday night, Nathan preaches and gives an invitation. You go to our kids' ministry, they preach and give an invitation. You come in here, we got next step, step station all, away, all around, altars open. Why? We preach the gospel and give an invitation because people need Jesus. That's why. Finally, being one mission means this. We want to be the best church in our community and the best church for our community. Can I break that down for you? We want you to be proud of your church and the way we do things biblically and with excellence. Biblically when There are a lot of churches that do things biblically but not with excellence and you're ashamed to invite somebody there. There are people who do things with excellence and not biblically and nobody can even figure out how to get saved in that church. We want to do things biblically and with excellence and be the best church in our community so you're proud to invite people to your church so that they can hear about Jesus and be saved. But not only do we want to be the best church in our community, sometimes that's where churches start. We want to be the, stop rather, we want to be the best church for our community. Here's what I mean by that. If we went away, we want our community to miss us. If if Peavine shut its doors tomorrow, we want the community to be we want the reaction to be this, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? I don't want it to be six months before they even figure out we're not here, if ever. Look, I was walking down. Our pastors pray in my office early on Sunday mornings. We were walking down in my office, and I walked by the boxes of hundreds of sweatpants and sweatshirts that you bought for LFO high school students who needed some clothing to wear. You bought and you brought for them to wear. There's boxes all in our office area down there. We're giving out this week to LFO. Why? Listen, we didn't call them and say, do you have a need? They called us and said, can you meet a need? Why? Because they're starting to figure out that we want to be the best church for our community as well. We want our community to know that there's a gospel station right here on Peavine Road in Rock Spring, Georgia, or Spring Street in Rossville, Georgia, or Cleveland Highway in Dalton, Georgia, that loves them the way Jesus loves them. And when we say one mission, that we want to reach every person in Peavine seated with the gospel, that's what we mean. Second thing, what do we mean when we talk about 1%? You see that number all over, 497,000 people. So we originally did the research. We found out in a 20-mile radius, we call it Peavine City. Now, some of you automatically, if you're new to our church, you're, you're saying, what is Peavine City? Let me explain. Because often people come to me and say, I'm looking for Peavine City on Google Maps, and I can't find it because it's made up. We re- I, I literally, I made it up. It's a 20-mile radius of where I stand right now. We believe that's our local mission area. We call it Peavine City. It goes down to about midway through Whitfield County. It goes all the way to the Alabama line. It goes up near Hickson over there. It goes all the way through Ottawa uh, as well. And we believe that's our local mission area. And in that area, the best we could do the research, there are 497,000 people in that area. And what we've said is we want to reach 1% of that number. That number would be 4,970 people, 1% 
1% of that. You say, preacher, why in the world did we arrive at 1% of that number? I'll tell you why. When I was praying through that, I thought 2% is a really big number. You can do the math. 2% would be about 10,000 people. We were running 800 when I came here. 10,000 seemed insurmountable. But a half a percent seemed like a puny prayer. I was like, what would Paul pray for? What would Elijah pray for? I'm about halfway embarrassed over 1%, but I, I, that's all the faith I got, it's 1%. We're going to start there. You say, we're never going to reach 1% right here in Rock Spring, Georgia. Ah, we've touched that number already. In 2020, when we shut down for Easter and Easter was all online, we can verifiably prove we had over 5,000 people watching our Easter services in 2020. You fast forward to this year, this year on Easter, we had 3,700 people in person here, plus over 1,000 watching online. So we're close to that number even on Easter this year. This year in our church, we're averaging about 1,600 people in person on Sundays. You say, why do you care about that number? I care because our community is lost and I'm trying to figure out how many people we got on the team with us so we can go see our community saved. You say, well, we're the Bible Belt. We are, but look at this. I show you all kinds of stats. I want to show you one. Research says 18% of the Chattanooga area, which would be Peavine City, Chattanooga area goes all the way down to Dalton, 18% of the area claims to be evangelical Christian. So here's what that means. More than four in five people are not evangelical Christian. You say, does that mean they're lost? No, I can't tell you for sure it means they're lost, but I definitely tell you it doesn't mean they're saved. That if only one or less than one in five people claim to be evangelical Christian, can I tell you this? They, we have a very, very, very lost community. And our goal is to reach 1% of 497,000. You say, preacher, that just seems too big for Rock Spring. Well, let me tell you how we're going to do it. First of all, let me say this. I need everybody in this room and every room that's listening to me to fill out that connection card every single week, every single week. You say, why do you need to fill out that card every week? Number one, just to be nice because I'm asking, all right? The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Don't be a rebel. Don't be a witch. Fill the thing out. All right, it's Bible. That's good preaching there. I'll need your name on it. Just sign your name on it. About 70% of the adults on Sunday morning fill that card out. We, we need that number to be 90% and above, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because, uh, because of that card, we know things like this, that this year, the beginning of 2022 until today, we have had over 5,000 unique attenders worship at our church. Now, let me explain that. There's a business term called unique uh, customers. I took that out of a business term and I brought it over in the church and I call them unique attenders. Here's what that means. That over 5,000 people since January have come to a sunny morning worship service at one of our campuses at least one time. That doesn't include an event. That doesn't include a Thursday morning Bible study uh, or Tuesday morning women's Bible study or Wednesday night anything. That includes Sunday morning. We've already had this year over 5,000 people come to our church one time. Now, if you've been 40 times, that still just counts as one. But if you've been one time, that counts as one. 5,000 unique individuals have already been to our church this year. So our problem is not reaching 5,000 people. Our problem is getting them to stay. 
We probably average 20 first-time guests a week on our campuses. Sometimes more, sometimes a couple of less, rarely very less. What I'm saying to you is, we're already doing it. We've already seen the number can be reached. Well, how are we going to reach it consistently, week in, week out? Let me give you three things we're going to do. Number one, we're going to try to continually expand here. Last year, God gifted us over 14 acres right here behind us, and we're going to put that land to use. We're currently meeting with architects to talk about what that would look like. Expansion here. We want to expand this worship center you're in right now. We want to expand our, uh, our child, uh, children's area, youth area. We, it's parking. We need to get parking closer and expand that as well. So we're working all that. It'll be months before you hear from us. But I want you to know that plan is in the works and we'll bring a plan to you. So we're trying to expand our footprint right here at Rock Spring. Not only that. Uh, I, I told you when you called me to be your pastor that I never planned on building a, a building that seated 2,000 people that w- we'll make room for what we make room for here and then we're going to start campuses around the area. We, we believe we have four campuses, Rock Spring, Online, um, Rossville, and Dalton as of today. Now, some of you say online's a campus. It is. We have people who live outside of our area who watch, attend, and tithe every week. They are members of our church through an online campus. So we consider that a campus. So we plan on launching more campuses. I mean, our heart right now is kind of landed in that Ottawa area for our next campus. And that's where we'd like to go in our next campus. And so you pray with us. We'd love to find a church there that partner with us and allow us to do that in the future. And so we're going to launch campuses. Third thing we're going to do is start locations. Now let me tell you the difference between a location and a campus. A campus is where we'll have a campus pastor live worship and me on video preaching. A location is where everything's on video. So this kind of came to us. I had somebody in our area uh, contact me and said, would you want to do church at a certain uh, a place here in the community on Sundays and I said we would let, and we're exploring the idea right now where we could get 20, 30, 40, 50 people together in one location we'd provide the technology we would, but it'd all be on the screen so we'd buy the TV, the technology and everything that needs to go with it and we'd have a location where we'd get at least 20 people 20 to 50 people in a gathering and we could show them our church services, we could preach to them and we'd love to have locations around Peavine City that that were not campuses, they might be one day, but they'd start off as locations. And we want you to pray with us that God would open up some campus locations. Now, before you come running to me to tell me where you want to campus, have a campus, you need to know that the minute you mention it, I'm going to suggest you lead it. <laughs> so you might want to pray long and hard. But continue expanding campus location. And here's what we think we can reach 1%. And we get to 1%, we're going to have 5,000 people and ask God for 2%. Point number three, what do we mean when we say one person? We say you have to reach your corner of Peavine City. The only way for all this to become a reality is for you to concentrate on reaching your corner of Peavine City. Can I just say this? You don't worry about reaching 4,970 people. I'll worry about that. You worry about reaching your one. Your one. I'm going to ask our worship pastors at the campuses to get ready. How do you reach your one? How do you reach your one? Can I give you a few ways that you can be involved in reaching Peavine City with the gospel and reaching your one? Number one is this. Find someone who needs church and who needs Jesus. 
Find someone in your life who needs church and who needs Jesus. You say, preacher, where am I going to find those people? You don't have to look hard. You're going to find them at school. You're going to find them at work. You're going to find them in your family, in your neighborhood, at the restaurant, at a coffee shop, at a rec department, at a ball game. You are going to find them if you'll just open your eyes and look at the fields. They're white and the harvest. You'll find somebody who needs church and needs Jesus. Second thing I want you to do is pray for them. Put them on your prayer list. Pray for them every day. Pray for them every week. I've got a list of people. I do it on certain days of the week where I've been praying. There's people I've been praying for for a decade to come to faith in Christ. There's people I've been praying for for a few weeks to come to faith in Christ. The names you turn in on Tuesday, I pray with you. The names you fill out on a prayer request card today, I get those on Tuesday and I pray with them for you. You need to be praying that God would turn their hearts toward church and turn their hearts toward Jesus. Third thing you need to do is invite them to watch online or come in person. Now, here's why I say watch online. Online has become the new front door of our church. Every time I meet a guest, almost every single time I meet a guest, here's what they say to me. Well, we've been watching for a few weeks online and we decided to come today. Online's our new front door. Sometimes you can get people to watch online. You can't get them to come. But keep inviting them in person. It's, there's a difference between in person and online. Keep inviting them in person. And if they'll come, you come to whatever service they want to come to. You take them to lunch afterwards. You answer any questions they may have. But you find them. You pray for them. You invite them. Tell you a fourth way you can get involved, and that's 1% giving. When we launch the Dalton campus, we're, we're spending, it's going to wind up being between $550,000 and $600,000, we think, to open the Dalton campus. Did you know we didn't have to ask you for any money for that because you had already been giving to a fund called 1%? We shut this down during COVID. We opened it back up this year. 1% is we asked you several years ago. We, you give your tithes and offerings every week, 10% of what God's blessed you with, your increase, you give it. Would you give one extra percent to this fund? If you go online, pvi.org slash give, there's a drop-down box that says 1%. Would you give one extra percent to this? Or would you every now and then give to this just so that we can launch the next campus? And finally, we ask you for 1% prayer. What does that mean? That means we ask you to give 1% of your day praying for the lost in your life, those who need Jesus in your life, those who need church in your life, and for Peavine City. 1% of your day. That equates to about 15 minutes a day. Would you set your clock to get up early and pray 15 minutes a day for people who need Jesus, need to be in church, your pastor in Peavine City? You, you can set your timer for 15 times a day and pray one minute 15 times or three times or I don't care. Just give us 1% of your day praying for the lost and those who need Jesus in Peavine City. That's how you can get involved in reaching your corner of Peavine City. Close your Bibles. I don't know if I've said that already, but close your Bibles. I'm done. This past Wednesday night, Pastor Corbin at Rossville was eating dinner at church there and a fourth grade girl named Allie came up and sat down next to him. Allie has been saved and baptized at our Rossville campus. Allie sat down next to Pastor Corbin and she said, um, Pastor Corbin, I think my papa is lost and would you tell me how I can tell my papa how to be saved? Pastor Corbin took out a sheet of paper, wrote down the ABCs of salvation and some Bible verses with it. And he said, I'll be right back. And he went to his office 
and he went on our church's website. We have a place on there where the gospel is and you can look at how to be saved, even print it off. He printed it off. He printed it off. He went back out to Allie, fourth grade girl. And he wrote a note on there to her papa. And he, he knew his name. She had told him his name. I won't call his name this morning, but he said, Papa. Allie has an important conversation she'd like to have with you. And this may help. She cares about you. He gave it to Allie, and he and Allie sat there and prayed for her papa to be saved. A fourth grade girl gets it. The Bible says out of the mouth of babes, and sometimes I think sometimes they get it better than we do. Would you stand with me across the room? The least we can do is be as concerned as a fourth grade girl about those people in our church, in our community, in Peavine City, in your world that need Jesus. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.